Hi, welcome to the Whiskey and Art Podcast. This is Scott, and I'm joined today by the gin lady. Hi. What kind of gin are you drinking today? Uh, Sapphire, Bombay. Excellent. And the Iowa Farm Boy, Stuart, <laughs> the museum guy. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Scott. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Well, Stuart, uh, before we get into our subject today, what whiskey are we drinking? Uh, we have Maker's Mark this evening. Excellent. Uh, that's a pretty healthy pour there. <laughs> now, might, might be a little longer episode then. <laughs> uh, not that I usually know much about uh, anything when it comes to art or even whiskey, other than I like both. Um, uh, I didn't know. Did you all know that Maker's Mark is America's handmade bourbon whiskey? It all started because of Bill Samuel Sr.'s grandfather, a sixth generation Kentucky distiller didn't care for the whiskey his family made. So in 1953, he burned the family recipe, literally, and started over. His taste vision was a soft, rich, creamy, full-bodied, yet balanced bourbon. I sound pretty educated. I'm just reading this from the bottle. Too. I, I, take, I take any props I can. <laughs> so, who, told you, who told you my secret? <laughs> So, as we start the episode, cheers. Cheers. Let's see if it has that crate. Oh, here comes the gin. It's nice. Oh, yes. Very nice. Creamy? Mm -hmm. Let's see. What I describe, I, I, I can't do it. I can't even pull off <laughs> describing whiskey. It's good. Yeah. Gives me, it's good on the tongue, and it gives my nose a really shot in the... Yeah. Yeah. I like the, I like the nose, and nice, well-balanced. Very good. Now they're putting these fancy tops on them with all the wax and stuff. A lot yeah. of work to get into a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, it is, like, it is a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of work to get into one of those. <laughs> so our subject today is going to be uh, Grant Wood. And I uh, got my intention because uh, when we were having discussions about, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned regional art and then you brought up Grant Wood and the American Gothic, which yeah, I happened to Yeah, we've talked about that before, and everyone recognizes it, right? But they don't necessarily know it by name or by artist, right? But they've all seen that very iconic image, right? They will after today. <laughs> <laughs> so Grant Wood, uh, raised in Iowa? Yeah, he was an Iowa native. Um, the, the Gothic house that we're going to talk about in the American Gothic, that house is in so Southeast Iowa. That's in Eldon, Iowa. Now, you're, and, you're from Southeast Iowa, though, right? I, yeah, that's where I grew and up. And how far away from Washington are you? Not very, like uh, 45 minutes, maybe this, an hour. Is it safe to say all the great art historians and art, <laughs> artists come from there? That, that corner of Iowa? That uh, part of Iowa. Now you're just trying to show <laughs> When we were talking in the gym lady's front yard, it was the American Gothic, and I, I couldn't yeah. have told you Grant Wood's name at the time, but... Yeah, uh, the American Gothic, and yeah, and it was people, you dispelling my belief about it. Yeah, yeah, most people don't recognize the artist's name or even the title of the work, but I guarantee you, everyone has seen the image or or seen a parody of the image, right? Of the farmer and his wife standing there, which you corrected me. I did. I corrected you that it's not not. I, I there are a lot of people who do interpret that as his wife, but I think the artist, um, and there's been some documentation that it's it's probably most likely. The, the farmer and his his daughter. Uh-huh. And you were you were shocked by that, right? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. It was like, really, because it looks like, you know, just a hardworking uh, farm couple from the... 
From the Midwest, right? Yeah, from the Midwest. And that's and the Gothic part. I, I didn't. I I never really understood what made it American Gothic until you explained about the Gothic window in the back. Yeah. Yeah. So. So looking at the subjects, let's unparse that just a little bit, right? Sure. So the, the idea, I always just throw you a pile, don't I? I, I know, you do. And then I sort of <laughs> have to stop and unpackage all of this. And that's, that's sort of my nature is that, whoa, 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 let's slow down a little bit. You've, you've unloaded like three things there. But no, the, the subjects are, are, are a father and his unmarried daughter, right? And I think that's shocking for a lot of people. But it, it, it harkens back to, and, and Grant would sort of, talked about that a little bit in the sense that there he was trying to portray uh, American values and this idea that it was dutiful. I mean, she's an unmarried daughter. We would probably use really antiquated words like spinster, right? Like, and, and their duty would be to stay home and take care of their aging parents, right? And so uh -huh. I think we can look at this image and see this as the dutiful responsibility and the fulfillment of those promises to take care of our aging parents, right? And so that idea of looking at that and this, these sort of dour complexions where they're, they're sort of like very serious. Um, it's, it's a very common misreading of the subjects um, and it happened even in Wood's time as well. There are newspaper articles who misattribute it to um, a farmer and his wife, and and Nan Woods's sister um, actually recounts that and and says no, that was always meant to be a farmer and and sister, um, and then you know she said it's supposed to be a farmer and a sister, not a farmer or, and a daughter. I'm sorry, excuse me, a farmer, farmer and her daughter. daughter. Yes, thank you. So for correcting his me. sister recounts his sister Nan. Yes, that's where I got that. Now, what year did he do the American Gothic? It was 1930. 1930, but his life before that, he, okay, I, I've got to bring this quote because it, it's fascinating to me. I had to go to France to appreciate Iowa. This guy had, now in France he studied a different type of art, right? You, you, are, you all have always told me that uh, museums are full of European art. Sure. You know? So, yeah, I mean, it was, a, a, that's the way you studied art in the day, right? That, that, you went and you traveled and you saw other expressions of art. And so to study in Europe, I mean, any art student in the 19-teens and early 1900s would have gone to Europe to study. And Grant Wood in 1913 studied at the Art Institute of Chicago for several years and so was exposed to modernism and uh, American art and those teachings. And 1913 is a really interesting experience because that was the moment in in New York at the time was the the armory show and so all of Europe and European modernism was brought over and the impressionists and modernity were shown side by side so you've got examples of uh, Monet's and Picasso's and Matisse. Stuart you said and I've heard you use this before but impressionists and modern Modernism and modernity, right? Moder like, okay, that's one and the same. The avant-garde would come along and 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 sort of become synonymous with modern art and modernity, okay. right? In the nineteen hundreds and er even earlier, the eighteen nineties. So now it's side by side. So these, at the these, armor show, exactly. So you're seeing works of art side by side in the U.S. for the first time, and Marcel Duchamp's new descending the staircase like shocked the the U.S. because it was completely 
unseen to them before that moment. And it ends up traveling to Chicago at the time. Um, now, I think it was like 1914, 1915 before it actually gets to Chicago. But Wood would have obviously been able to be experiencing that and, and read the newspaper articles and the reviews of the Armory Show. And so in the 20s, 1922 to 1928, he takes four trips to Europe. But the, uh, before you get into that part, mm -hmm. I just found it fascinating. Uh, he look, looks like he was going to be a silversmith. And this just yeah. And then he, because of his mother's increasing financial re instability, uh -huh. and then he assumed financial responsibility for his mother and youngest sister. He worked as a home builder, decorator, and during World War One, as a camouflage designer. Which I, <laughs> I, I just I love those little tidbits. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, that's interesting. Like, right? Like the war <laughs> effort takes all professions at some point. But, but he wasn't painting at this point, or was he? Well, you know, I don't, his career starts to develop, and and I think. It's, it's interesting that, yes, he, he's sort of dabbling as a student artist in all of these different fields, like silversmith, decorative arts, mural painting. He becomes a big muralist that nobody really recognizes, right? Like, he, he was partly a professor of mural studies at the University of Iowa when he taught. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I mean, we're thinking about a period of time right after the, the Depression, right? And the WPA and Roosevelt's road to recovery to that in the 30s, 40s was to create mural artists and recover the country. Right? Like every post office in the country had a mural on it, right? Because of the WPA. And so Grant Wood was helping teach some of those artists that, that developed through that process. But he well, did say... You, you talked about the WPA and that's something that um, I just want to bring up because Franklin Delaney Roosevelt he had talked about um, the importance of the artwork. It being, he said, for too long, Americans have not said we, we are our own artist. They've looked overseas. And he said WPA yeah. was an expression of you found American artwork all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. So so that was, was one of those things that we started to to increase this idea of creating homegrown American artists. And that's where regionalism comes from, right? This idea of creating a regionalist art movement. Grant Wood wanted a, an American style. And so going back to his travels in Europe, you know, between 1922 and 1928... Can, can I just stop for a second? What does WPA mean? Oh, the Works Progress Administration. During the Depression. Okay. During the Depression. Sorry. Thank you. All right, proceed. <laughs> I, I don't remember where I was at. <laughs> he, had, he had gone to Europe to study. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, he had gone to Europe. Now, now, your grandfather, that was a critical time for him, and he lived in Oklahoma, and he survived the Dust Bowl. And so it was, that was a critical time for Americans mm -hmm. to find their identity when everything they knew about uh, progress and income and, hey, we are this mighty country, the it's bottom cool. fell out. Yeah. It just fell out during the Depression. It's like we, we, we don't recognize the impact of them building up from there, you know? And I think you've hit upon why this American Gothic portrait is so important and becomes so iconic, right? Because Americans' identity was in question. It's 1930 when he paints this. 1929 was when the economic crash happened and we fell, right? Like the world was was gone to most Americans, right? And so here you have a couple, an image of a, a, a father and a daughter 
that harken back to earlier American values of stoicism, perseverance, hard work, ethical behavior, right? Like it's all of those sorts of Midwestern values that we think about, right? So he's, well, he hits upon that. Mid values, American values that mm -hmm. founded this country, mm -hmm. right or wrong, they were a base, something important. And, and even the subjects in this, right? So Wood's sister, Nan, and the family dentist were the actual inspiration for the subjects. Um, Wood asked them to pose, but it was really, it was painted in the 1930s, but it really represented a much older archetype. He, Wood, even looked at his old family albums for inspiration. He looked at tintypes from his old, old family albums and were inspired by these sort of stoic figures that he saw there. They're even dressed in sort of antiquated clothing. Um, and he said, I imagined an American Gothic, people with the faces stretched out so long um, to go with this American Gothic house. And you, you mentioned that the arch, um, the arched window being inspired by Gothic architecture. Um, and it was really this sort of carpentry Gothic uh, experience that was expression. That was even popularized in the 1880s anyway, right? So it's a much older architectural style that, that lasts through American vernacular architecture. Yeah. So he's, he's looking back to a more solid and stable American culture when he's, when he's painting this. But it's really a complex and interesting... How, how did he not lose himself when he was in, in Europe? He did. He became this bohemian. He became this avant-garde bohemian, traveled Europe, studied painted. I mean, if, if you think about France and Paris and the art scene and a bohemian artist, Grant Wood experienced that. He, he wanted to relive that experience. And that's, that, that, that actually his biographers sort of document that in some of his works where he traveled Europe and lived this very avant-garde lifestyle. And that quote that you opened the episode uh -huh. with where he he said, I had to go to France to appreciate Iowa, right? Right. So he goes and he gets in, enveloped in this culture, this foreign culture, and it's like everything. We, we envision ourselves wanting to go off to someplace exotic because all we see are barns and cows around us, right? And it becomes everyday and mundane to us. And it's not until we travel that we really appreciate what we experience at home, right? And so I think that was a big part of his growth as an artist was to be able to travel overseas, be exposed to the, the avant-garde. And there is this, this, uh, this nice quote, and, and a lot of people tie his work to um, Flemish paintings. Um, Wood was cosmopolitan. He was bohemian. He traveled abroad. Uh, and know, as I, I said before... Sure, I, I'm sorry. You're talking about an Iowa foreign boy that is cosmopolitan uh -huh. and bohemian? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it is? Does it seem... Yeah, it's a little far-fetched. <laughs> you can think that. <laughs> he lives between two worlds, right? That's fascinating. Yes. So he's able to navigate both of them. Um, and I think during the course of this episode, we'll uncover, I hope, a little more of this farm boy mentality that Wood exhibited. I'm going to call into question a little bit of that, right? Because he travels, he's exposed to this avant-garde, 
and impressionism and post-impressionism. And right. I think you mentioned that he, he painted in some of those those like vernaculars yes yeah impression I, yes i'm not necessarily familiar with that part of his career necessarily well, I mean, I've i'm not a sure bit. they don't talk much about the artwork that came out of it but no. they do talk about some of his subtle colors and stuff yes came from that yes. period i i would agree now fascinating because now you're something that bothers me about him coming back and you talking about this this man that lived between two this artist that lived between mm -hmm. two worlds he came back and then his darkest time was at the university where um, he was uh, the thirty-year-old director uh -huh. called him a reactionary. Yeah, and as soon as I read that, I'm like, Grant Wood, a reactionary? Yeah, I, I don't see it, but it really changed the course of his later life. It seemed to me, but I, I don't, I don't want to get you off track mm -hmm. as I. But that part kind of grabbed my attention. Yeah, and I think, I think we. Stuart, can... it's safe to say right now. Folks, if, if you think Grant Wood and Iowa and the American Gothic is all there is to this 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 artist, this American artist, it's not. It is he is fascinating, mm -hmm. um, and we're going to get in some quotes. But uh, Stuart, uh, you know, throw it back at you because <laughs> I keep taking us off these little side roads. Yeah, Which little cornfield roads. These little it, paths. It's, that's exactly <laughs> the course. And you know, I had a professor once tell us that if, if during the study of art history, if at any point it's it is this giant crevasse, right? Like this giant, giant, giant span, and you've just laid a two by four across it, and you're gonna sprint full speed across this. And if at any point you slip and fall off the two by four, you'll end up with a PhD in art history, right? Like, <laughs> because that's how, how deep and how easy it is to get sidetracked on some of this stuff. So it's understandable. So Stuart, we're talking about um, him coming back mm -hmm. and his style he developed, how he was viewed in this country. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously influenced. We didn't even get into the, the idea that he studied Flemish Renaissance work while he was in, in Paris and France and Europe. And, and I think it's, it's, it's clear to see the influence of the Dutch Renaissance, which is just a fancy word for Renaissance, right? Like, if you want to sound at a cocktail party, you can say Renaissance. 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 People are gonna right? look at people are gonna look at this Missouri boy. And they, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't play. <laughs> but I think it's clear to see Jan van Eyck, especially um, in his portrait here. If you look at the Arnolfini wedding portrait in fourteen thirty four, so these figures, dour, sort of severe, um, and unemotional portraitures, but also like the flat color work that he does, like the, the ability to render um, the painted surface in the way that he does is very reminiscent of that period of time. So he's looking to that for inspiration, but making a very modern portrait and a very contemporary one and, and, and to fulfill his desire to create an American regionalist moment in art history and American art. Stuart, there's an opportunity, uh, are, are there, you mentioned that artist and Grant Wood. Can we put, can I put a link at the bottom of oh, this absolutely. show note yeah. to bring up? Uh, you can what, do what, a side-by-side -side comparison. And which one, uh, you'll give it to me, which sure. one, so the the listener or yep. if you're interested can pull those, both yep. those pictures up because I'm fat, I, I want to see that. And of course, I have the advantage of, of uh, leaving my notes and, and doing that one when we're not recording, but... Um, the Grant Wood that I knew from American Gothic mm -hmm. and the Grant Wood that you 
brought out, mm -hmm. what I've read about, he was a multi-layered individual. Absolutely. A, um, so, so part of that is, I mean, he comes from, like, okay, so he comes from Iowa, his father dies, he lives with his mother, he's, he's his mother's caretaker and his sister's supporter until she marries, um, and lives with his mother for a very long time. Uh, marries, marries a much older woman, and many of his friends sort of criticize that as a really a sort of mistake on Wood's part. Um, in his biographies, they talk about that a little bit. Um, and the idea that it still seemed like a matronly marriage, right, because she was much older than he was. Um, and they end up divorcing. They were only married a couple of years, maybe three or four, and then they divorce. Um, and he's single and lives in the carriage house of his mother's property, um, supports her through his arts, his commissions, and his teaching career, um, and is his caretaker. And I can't help but think about that in the, the context of the relationship of American Gothic, right? So here you have a father figure, the, the daughter figure, who is the, the, the unmarried, um, I mean, at that time period, they would have called her a spinster, right? And then she's caring for uh, the, the father, and it was this sort of responsibility of the familial care, right? The idea of being responsible and our, our, our elders caretaker. Um, and I can't help but see some of those autobiographical relationships that are happening in the, the artwork as well. So Spirit Somewhere, it changed. He, mm -hmm. In the 13, uh, 1913, 15, 16, before he went to Europe, he was supporting his financial help. He was yep. financial help to his mother and sister. Yep. And then in the late 30s, 35, 36, he was actually staying in the carriage house of his mother. So yeah, I mean, some, I think some, that was his... Some fortunes had changed. Well, I still think that was just... I, I don't know the details, but okay. I think it was that was his space, his mother's house, right? Like, they're living in that 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 sort of situation. I think I think it was a carriage house. I think, it, apart, if I remember correctly, I think it was the carriage house of a funeral home next door. Um, so that idea of being on the same property, but still being his, his mother's yeah. family right. support, being there, they had a very close relationship. Um, and then, so, so Grant Wood comes back, wants to create this American regionalist style and forms American regionalist movement with other artists like John Stuart Curry and Thomas Hart Benton. And they really want to present a truly American format something to reject right because before if you want to study art you went to europe grant wood did that he's like why can't we do that on our own soil um and so he's trying to instill this this sort of sense of an american identity in artwork and he even forms the the stone city art colony in iowa where artists could come and study is this still active today oh no uh it so went defunct because it was a it was a so, sort of a victim of the depression. So the regional and the, the regionalism and the American um, art. Mm -hmm. um, I want to let the listeners know that he was very much when he said American, he meant all Americans. Yes. And you'll hear this in this quote of his. It says, "I am willing to go so far as to say that I believe the hope of Native American art lies in the development of regional art centers and the competition between them." It seems the one way to the building up of an honestly art-conscious America. 
Yeah. He, so he was very aware of the he, issues. He wanted you to be able to experience art in your own neighborhood, right? Like you didn't need to travel to these metropolitan cities to, to experience art. He wanted to create a network of arts colonies and art schools and art experiences that, that, that were truly American and localized, right? Like that, that encourages communities. the people from that, the youth of that area too. So Stuart, uh, as we're, we're getting uh, towards the end of our podcast, if you would wrap this up, um, how would you wrap up this episode with Grant Wood as far as uh, bringing the listener on to doing more a deeper dive? These artists are not simple people. No. And, and, and it's we fascinating. We didn't scratch the surface of this podcast and, and, and Wood because there's, there's... But I'm not sure that, that we... It's for me, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping the listeners... This is education for me and art appreciation. Now, mm-hmm. I want to see his work. I, I want to go online and do more. I've, I've read his yeah. biography. I want to read another more about what he says because he is fascinating representative. He was aware of the indigenous tribes. He was... A... It's, it's interesting because he lived a complex life and he, 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 he spanned and lived and straddled two worlds, Right. There's this traditional and stoic culture of the Midwest that he, he lived in. And then there was this modern art world that he experienced as well. Um, and even his own personal lifestyle being called into question. He was married for a period of time, but several biographers have, have suggested he was a closeted homosexual, right? I read, and, I read that. And this, but and, and I, I, had to, I had to wonder, so what? Exactly. An artist is an artist is an artist. And not to read too much into that, right? And not to suddenly unveil all of this and and read that much into it. But his personal life and the persona of Grant Wood, right? Even the wearing of overalls and dress shirts. There's this famous publicity photo for the art art colony, um, the Stone City Art Colony that he wears with John Stuart Curry, and they're both dressed in these overalls, right? So it is this idea of the outward persona of the Iowa farm boy and these traditional values of regionalism, and there is his own personal life and his avant-garde experience in Europe, right? So he really straddles both worlds. And then we look at American Gothic, and we look at, at some of the values that are portrayed in this, right? And they, they seem old-fashioned, and they were even criticized in 1930 for being old-fashioned. Really? East Coast art critics looked at this as a backwards view of the American Middle West, right? And they use that term. I love that term, like Middle West. Two words, both cap, right? Like both capitalized <laughs> this idea of the Middle West, um, meaning between two, the idea of the East sure. and the West Coast. Um, and that, that nowhere, like the, what we would call flyover territory now, right? Yes, like, right. Um, that idea of looking at it as being backwards, and and then there was this 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 idea: is this a parody? Is Grant Wood mocking and making fun of these backwards values because they don't align with his own personal lifestyle, or is he really truly? Is this really a pastiche, where it is this idea of lovingly looking at something and honoring it in a way that? Look at these values of these two couple, the, these two people, the hard work, right? Like we can look at this and they're hardworking people. So what, what's your opinion? 
I think it's both, both and, right? Like it, it can exist in both worlds, right? We can look at this as- He was challenging as, us. As both. He's challenging us to look at this. How do we view the Middle West? How do we don't, view- Don't throw it out because it doesn't quite fit your exactly. definition. Right. So, so in this image, we, we see, you know, this, this very Puritan individual, this, this hardworking farm person, with the implements of his trade, right? This this hay fork and over his shoulder you could see the barn. And and that is the very gendered role of the male, right? And yes. and, and on the other side you see the woman who is is sort of dressed in her trade of the apron and you can see the plants on the back porch, right? right. The dom domesticity, the domestic lifestyle of the farm wife or the, 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 the caretaker. And that's a weird and interesting situation, right? Because I never saw my, yeah, my grandparents, my grand, grandmothers, they were farm yes. wives, but they were the backbone of the family. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. you go out and do this out in the fields and, and take care of it. This is what you're coming home to. And and it's you've, huge. you've seen these, whether, whether it's, it's a bachelor farmer or whether it is a farmer who is a widower um, and has lost the wife, right? And the, 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 the sister or the daughter, excuse me, the daughter stays, um, right? Takes on that, that role that you just talked about. All right, Stuart. I... And so there are these gendered roles. And so even, even in the character, right? You have this man dressed in overalls with a suit jacket. Isn't that such an odd pairing? Yes. And it, I still think that there is some element of Two worlds, right? The cosmopolitan suit jacket, the overalls. It's it's very interesting. Even even in the eighteen eighties, when working class individuals had portraits taken, they had suits. Right, they would have their portrait taken with a suit, and so this is that weird combat, this merging of two worlds. So, Stuart, the merging of two worlds. I got mm -hmm. two closing thoughts of my own. Yep. Before I turn this off. I see you're out of gin, gin lady. You gonna bug out? I am, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go find some more gin. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Hey, um, two things. One of the American Gothic and the fact that that's not his wife but his daughter. Mm -hmm. Could that be? And I, I know there's no answer, but to me, it, it makes me wonder. Could that be his reluctance to draw a wife because of the fact that perhaps he was gay? And there was no term for gay. I, I, we don't know the answer. Yeah, I know. But it does make me wonder in this light. Before, I would have thought exactly what you said. It represent the American foreign family. But that's his daughter. And, and before you said his daughter, I would never even thought twice about it. Yeah. Well, I think that it's this weird merging of worlds, right? Like the cosmopolitan, the bohemian, the rural. It's it's a merging of values. And what is, it's, it's what really is more... It's really cool what he brought to into it yes what is more american than that than all of these complex social and familial relationships that we have wouldn't that have been it would have been a fascinating conversation between him and frida kahlo <laughs> I, I would have loved to have had those two meet and talk you know okay but we're gonna have to wrap it up and folks i hope we've uh spurred your interest and curiosity in grant woods and giving you some food for thought. I want to end with this quote and um, Stuart's closing thoughts. But in 1921, he created an, a um, um, mosaic, a frieze. Mm -hmm. A frieze and a mosaic, what's the difference? 
Uh, a frieze is an architectural element. A mosaic is is a, a generally an image made up of small tiles. Very good. Very so different a, colors. A frieze, an architectural... So element. a frieze is the part of the building that the mosaic exists in. So he did a demonstration in 1921 of a 150-foot-long frieze, and he entitled it Imagination Island. This was 1921. He presented to the school in the dramatic manner of the 19th century panoramas. Now, this is his quote. Wood's narration implied his absorption of modern and modernist ideas, telling the audience that no human body can visit these islands. Only the spirit can come. But that artists were trained to dwell in the imaginative and were there to help ordinary people, like his farm couple, who deal with only material things, step outside themselves, and lead them on a spiritual tour. <laughs> I, the depth there. I know. He's and, really... and what it means to me on this podcast in my own I know senior he's... citizen <laughs> white male journey. and, and uh... He's really trippy for somebody who has this folksy down-home-ism about him. Uh-huh. He gets very trippy at times. It, it's fascinating. Yeah, and there's this... Again, this dual personality, like he, he's a very complex individual and it's, it's not something to take on face value. There is this layer to that. So Stuart, closing thought with him? Uh, I, I think this is one of the, the sort of questions. Is this, is he poking fun at these Midwestern values or is this a true homage to his upbringing? And I don't think it's a simple answer. It's fascinating. It challenges us, um, raises the curiosity. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable because I, I like the whole idea of who Grant Wood was. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, folks, we've run a little bit long on him, but I hope you've enjoyed the journey. Jen Lady bugged out, but <laughs> cheers to you, our listener. Thanks for sticking by with us. And uh, you can uh, reach us uh, at our Gmail, our at whiskeyandart.com. You can go to the museum guy at whiskeyandart.com or scott at whiskeyandart.com and follow our blog at whiskeyandart.com. Folks, thanks again for being here with us. Bye.